You ready to study the scriptures? All right, Matthew chapter 5. Everybody go to Matthew chapter 5. If you need message notes, the ushers have them, and they will get them to you. They have pens and, and paper. And uh, as you know, may know, we launched a series last week called Real Relationships, and I'm excited about speaking on this topic every week, talking about really what I think are some of the most profound ideas throughout the scripture about what God means when he calls us his people and a community. So let's pray together and uh, open the scriptures. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it illuminates everything inside. Thank you for revelation now as we read these words. As we, as we open up our heart, change our mind, renew our soul. Help us to be the people you've called us to be, to be transformed and to help others experience the change that you're trying to make in their life. We thank you for this in Jesus' name, amen. amen. We've all had some bad friends, and <laughs> some worse than others, but there's, they're like, these are the worst kinds of friends. I don't know if you've ever experienced these kind of friends. Right? These, these, are, these are like the worst type of friends. There's the flaky Phil. You ever seen flaky Phil? Flaky Phil is like, you've made plans all week, but the last minute, something always gets canceled. It's like, oh, I don't know, man. Just got things to do. Sorry. Didn't see you on the calendar. Or I got a better option. Mm. <laughs> what about the negative Nelly? You ever, you ever met a negative Nelly? <laughs> negative Nelly, every storm could be a tsunami. Every winning lottery ticket could mean bankruptcy. Fun fact, uh, one of TV history's m biggest bullies right here, right, from Little House on the Prairie, <laughs> the actual, the original negative Nelly. How about this, the one-upper? The one-upper, right? I hate this. You, you have an awesome story. You try to tell your story, but it's not as good as hers. She's always trying to one-up you. The constant critic. You ever, you ever had one of these guys? The constant critic. Everything you do, never good enough. Just always criticizing you. Always, like, mm, trying to get you to do better. And then there's, like, like... I don't know if you've met this guy at work, but Bad Breath Bob. Have you ever met this guy? <laughs> this guy, like, like, what has that guy been eating? I don't know what this is. What is going on? What kind of Indian food is he eating? Some of you are like, oh, I love Indian food. <laughs> Discover lifesavers. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. And then no list of terrible friends are complete without... The infamous <laughs> Debbie Downer. <laughs> no good news goes untrampled. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Nobody starts out like this. Nobody starts out as these people. The, these people were once sweet little children. It's true. They had innocent faces. And what, what, what people forget is that there's something locked up in the heart of a person that needs to be redeemed. That's why you don't have to teach your kids how to be selfish. 
You ever notice that? <laughs> They're experts. You don't have to teach them. But something happens between 5 and maybe 25 that's really hard on people. Fear comes into their life. Some kind of trauma. Some kind of experience or, or, or rejection. Selfishness begins to take its hold on a person. And if it is not stopped by some otherworldly force, it's very difficult to get rid of. That otherworldly force, I think, is Jesus coming into the life of a person, helping, not only showing us how to be selfless, but giving us the power with a new heart and a new creation. Wounds from your family, sometimes these wounds, they stick for a long time. That's part of the thing we deal with in Catalyst is, is, is dealing with our history and trying to help us move on from our broken yesterdays. And it can be challenging. The culture of divorce in our, in our country, it is painful. It makes a mark. And so many of you have been marked by it. The transient nature of our cities and people just moving from place to place to place means they don't actually experience deep relationships. Our consumer culture creates in us a sense very often of a me-centered mentality. It's all about me. There are many reasons why relationships go south, right? But one thing is for certain, real relationships are no accident. They don't accidentally happen. Real, authentic, vibrant, and deep relationships don't happen by accident. So today as we continue our series on real relationships, I want, to, I want you to think about something. We're going to look at the words of Jesus and his most famous message ever, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, where he spoke about, now think about this, he spoke about relationships more than any other topic in this message. And I believe that this is Jesus's treatise it is his treatise on relationships and where he begins to describe a way, his way of kingdom living, a way of functioning that his people who are, belong to his kingdom, the kingdom of God, who are his subjects, who are his kids, the way that they treat people, the way that they interact with others. He gives us an overview of how to be a friend in the reality of our everyday life, because sometimes everyday life is really hard. And I know, here's the thing, here's the thing, every one of us, we want our life to kind of look like six uh, uncomparably beautiful people, friends who live in New York right across the hallway from each other and who hang out at Central Perk. Like, this is what we want our friends to look like, right? We're just hanging out at the coffee shop every day, and we're just, you know, we're all these beautiful people. But this, the sad reality, the truth is, for most of us, our friends look a little bit more like the bar scene from Star Wars. <laughs> like, this is the reality. This is who you are. This is who I am. And, and, and we don't always get to choose, 
This is the crazy thing. You didn't get to choose any of your family, right? Like, they're just there. <laughs> and there's relationships you've got to deal with that are challenging. And so we're going to explore this Jesus way of real relationships in Matthew 5. And we're going to do it from the modern day version of the Bible called The Message, written by Eugene Peterson. Now, Eugene Peterson, brilliant pastor and author of many, many books. And he translated the Message Bible, and his intent was to make it into street language, like modern day street language. And I, I find that sometimes if you've read this passage before where the Beatitudes are, you know, and, and you've kind of read that, and you ha- kind of have that Sunday school lessons in the back of your mind. This kind of helps you to wake up suddenly to what Jesus is, has been saying for all these centuries. And so Matthew chapter 5, verse 1, this, this, uh, the heading over this passage is called, You're Blessed. You're Blessed. If we, we teach a whole message right here on convincing you and me that we're blessed because of who we are and who we serve and how God has come into our lives. But it says here in verse 1, when Jesus saw his ministry drawing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside, and those who were apprenticed to him, the committed, climbed with him. Arriving at a quiet place, he sat down and taught his climbing companions. This is what he said. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. What? With less of you... There is more of God and His rule. You're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you. Only then can you be embraced by the one most dear to you. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. I love that. I just love the picture he's painting here. The first idea I want you to get from this passage is begin with God. Begin with God. Your most important relationship is the one you have with God, and it sets the tone for every other relationship. Don't ask God to join your relationships. Begin with Him before you start them. All of you who are not married yet, make sure God is the first relationship and you're asking Him about starting others. He knows better than you. (laughs) You're like, I don't know if I want to ask Him or not. He might say no. Jesus is talking here about something, and the the, the recognized phrase is, blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus is saying we're most fortunate when we recognize that we're in need, and we need Him. He's saying that even though we mourn, we we can be comforted by Him when we choose humility. And that we begin, what He says is, you inherit the earth. You begin to have influence in the world around you when you choose this, when you choose Him. Here's here's the truth. You're not going to be able to implement anything we're talking about today unless you have the the power of God working in your life. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work 
for his good pleasure. Notice what this verse says. God gives us the desire and the ability. That's pretty awesome. Not just the desire to try harder, but actual ability by the work of the Spirit inside of us. God helps us with our desires and then gives us the strength to do it. Let's continue in verse 7. You're blessed when you care. At the moment of being careful, you find yourselves cared for. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. Number two is work on yourself. Now, we talked about this last week. We referenced Mark 12, 28 through 30, and love your neighbor as yourself. You love God, and then you love, you begin to love others, but there's a qualifier there. He said, as yourself, if you want to check out that message, we went very deep into the as yourself part. That's on the podcast at onechapel.com. But here's the, here's the thing I want you to remember for today. Your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. Your relationships can only be as healthy as you are. And if you're an unhealthy person, you need to recognize it. You need to realize there's, there's some self-awareness that needs to lift about who you really are. Proverbs 4, 23 says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. We have to see ourselves accurately because stuff in here, this is the stuff that's got to get cleaned out and purified. You guard what goes on in this heart of yours. We have to see ourselves accurately and understand what we need to work on. And I think you need to invest in yourself. Read a book. <laughs> Read a book. Ask a close friend for feedback. Ask your spouse. She'll tell you where you're missing it. Make sure somebody's providing a mirror for you to see yourself. The mirror of God's word is really helpful. And the mirror of another person. Number, uh, let's go to look at verse 9. Oh, before I do that, let me just say this. Remember, you can only give, you can only give what you have yourself. You cannot give what you don't have. And so your marriage is going to suffer. You have to work on yourself. You have to become a healthy person. Verse 9 says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate. Everybody say Cooperate. You're blessed when you show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. There is nothing more common in our society right now than people fighting and competing. In our over-politicized society, everybody's got an argument. Jesus says here that we need to show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. Number three is be a positive influence. Be a positive influence. Be a person that brings something positive to every conversation. And if you must argue, do it in a way that is so kind and so positive that you're not being personal with that person, you're actually just talking about something that brings life into the moment. And, and that's really hard to do. But here's what it looks like. It looks like being a solution person rather than a problem person. Be a solution person rather than a problem person. And I want to ask you this. Are you cynical and negative or encouraging and positive? 
Some of you are like, uh. I had somebody who was talking to me today. A lady was talking to me about her husband today, and she was describing how he always, you know, she's real positive and upbeat, and he's kind of a downer. But he likes to say, I'm just a realist. Everybody knows that realists are actually pessimists. Because all pessimists want to be known as realists. There's a problem here. If you just bring some kind of negativity into every situation, it's so easy. Listen, One Chapel, it's so easy for us to become the critic. It's so easy for us to become the cynic. Don't fall for it. It's everywhere. Don't fall for it. It doesn't make you an expert just be, to be cynical. It doesn't make you cool and hip in Austin. It doesn't, it doesn't make you smart. It just makes you annoying. Isn't that true? Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. We need to be the source of encouragement. And new ideas, hey, think about this, you should write this in your notes, new ideas, what? Where do new ideas come from? I believe they come from the creator of all things. He knows every idea that ever was or ever will be. I think that's why we as God's people should pray in our job for new ideas, creativity with dealing with problems. Struggling with those certain things we can't get over. Not just, not just people who seem like problems, but, but we're, we have a task. We have something we're working on with a team. I believe it is your job to pray about that and for you to get the best new ideas because you know the Holy Spirit. That's the mark of a Christian. Well, I don't know, Pastor Ross. I work with some really smart people. You know the wisdom of the ages. You know the ancient of days. You may not be as smart as you want to be, but you know the one who has the answers to all things. Pray and ask him. Pray and ask him. Don't be the kind of person that just kind of walks through life, and, oh, I don't know, I'm just trying to figure it out, I don't know. Don't use, don't use prayer as just dealing with negative things all the time. Think about dealing with prayer as a positive person. Oh, Jesus is going to help me get through this, and he's going he's gonna to help me lift others up. The truth is, we are people of faith. We're people of faith, which means you must be a positive person. Life is kind of like an elevator. You either take people up or you take people down. <laughs> Verse 10, you're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. That's heavy. You're blessed when your commitment to God provokes persecution. The persecution drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. Not only that, count yourselves blessed every time people put you down or throw you out or speak lies about you to discredit me, Jesus says. What it means is that the truth is too close for comfort and they are uncomfortable. You can be glad when that happens. Give a cheer even, <laughs> for they don't, they, th though they don't like it, I do. And all heaven applauds. And know that you are in good company. My prophets and witnesses have always gotten into this kind of trouble. 
Number four is respond to negative people with confidence and conviction. Sometimes your commitment to God will cause people to resist you, to dislike you, or even work against you. That is true. It can happen. Now, my opinion is we're more scared of it than we should be. And I also think that we miss being blessed if we don't ever take the risk. Do you understand what Jesus is saying here? You're blessed, he says in verse, nine, in verse 10, when your commitment to God provokes persecution. Something happens. God's grace comes on you in a special way when you have to face that kind of thing. But if you're just scared all the time, you're not willing to take the risk. You don't want to speak up. You don't want to open up. You don't want to invite anyone to church. You don't want to even tell them that you're a Christian because you're afraid of what they might think of you. You're not doing what Jesus wants you to do here. Those relationships are really significant for you and me. And I don't think we should be afraid of it because when, when you are willing to speak up with a positive voice, with kindness, with clarity, something happens that's special. We see it all over the world where people are being persecuted. The strength of believers rises as persecution takes place. Don't, don't let the devil lie to you. Not everyone you meet will connect with us and that with you, and that's okay. It, let it let it drive you deeper into God's kingdom. We we still must engage with people with confidence and conviction about who we are and what we believe. That's okay. And you will be surprised the amount of people that will respond to you and open up. We just finished this series called Just One, where we challenged ourselves as a church. Could it be that every one of us would pick one person and pray for them to meet Jesus, to come to a, a, a saving understanding a, a, that, the, that the rescuer, the Savior, would take a hold of them and free them from their sin? We asked the question, what would happen if every one of us did that over this next calendar year? If you didn't get to listen to that, you should go listen to that series because the concept is so important for us. You have relationships where people may push back on you, but you never know what might happen. I was in Financial Peace University this last week. I was in the room where they were having financial peace, and I met a couple that's been going here to church for about six months. And they started telling me a story about how they got to church. And she said, I was this totally negative person, and I was negative about church. I hated church. Like, I, I, I went to some kind of church back here. She described it, and it's like, I, I don't want to have anything to do with church or church people. So she's got a friend who goes to church here. <laughs> and that friend just kept, like, every few months, hey, do you want to go to church with me? No. I hate church. Well, you just don't know what can happen. This woman started describing to me how she started facing some real challenges in her life. They found a lump on one of her breasts, and it scared her. her. Her marriage was falling apart, and under the pressure of the fear of what might happen, everything started to fall. <laughs> that her friend came and asked her one more time, 
hey, you want to go to church with me? And they came to church, and she started describing to me the message I preached at that service. And I remembered it. I don't remember very many of them. <laughs> Just like you. <laughs> but I... But I... <laughs> that's why I make you write them down. <laughs> that's why I make you write them down. But, but she started describing the message where I said, God wants something that he doesn't have and he can only get it from you and it's not what you think it is it's your sin that shocked her god wants my sin yes because he's the only one who can carry it he's the only one who can rid you of it when you carry it it destroys you and she started t t telling me this story, and she, she started coming to church, and she started putting her marriage back together. Then her, her dad passed away, and people rallied around her, and she started walking through this process. It was an incredible story. You never know if you're willing, with confidence and conviction, to express yourself, who you are and who God is. Don't have fear. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In Matthew 16, 33. All right, keep going. S salt and light is the next passage. It says, let me tell you why you're here. Oh, good, finally. Here, this, is, this is where it is. This is like, this is the pivotal, pivotal part in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' sermon. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God's not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Number five, help people succeed. Help people succeed. Be generous with your life. Be generous in helping people along the way. Be the kind of person that will always help them win. Once you've helped someone succeed, you will have a friend for life. They will always tell the story of how you helped them, of how you, you helped them win. You were struggling and you helped them win. Our generosity with others reflects God's generosity and helps them respond to him. This passage says, make life taste better. Bring light into every dark place. Do you realize what I'm saying here? People, some of you, you're just, you're just walking around and you're just like rainy cloud right on top of your head. Got to go to work. <laughs> Listen, Jesus has called you to more than that. Jesus has called you to be more than that. Four kinds of people John Maxwell describes in one of his books, Winning with People. He says, he says some people add something to life. We enjoy them. They add something. It's really good. It's nice to have them around. Some people subtract something from life, and we tolerate them. <laughs> Oh, really? Are they coming to the party? Oh. <laughs> right? These are, the, these are the kind of people we just tolerate them. Some people, though, some people, though, they multiply 
something for life. And we value those people. We want them close. We seek them for advice. We seek them out when we're trying to deal with stuff and trying to face challenges of, of all kinds. And, and they, they help multiply life for us. They help multiply into the next season of life. They don't just add something. They do something exponential. And then he finally says, some people divide something in life. And we avoid them as we should. Don't subtract, don't divide, don't just add. Rather, multiply all God's goodness for others. That's your calling. That's your calling in relationships everywhere you go. It doesn't matter if it's family. It doesn't matter if it's friends. This is what we're called to do. Now down to verse 21. He says, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Think of that carelessly call a brother idiot and you just might find yourself hauled into court thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister and you're on the brink of hellfire <laughs> i like how he says that the simple moral fact is that words kill number six say the right words at the right time many folks say the right words at the wrong time <laughs> or they say the wrong words at the right time any of you husbands out there ever done this? <laughs> Amy and I are in a, some kind of fight. My, my wife and I were kind of having a little tiff, and we're arguing, and I just, you know, if I say, babe, you're so beautiful. She's like, don't give me that. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. Was the right thing to say, wrong time. Be the kind of person that has a word for people. Listen, you know the creator of the universe. He knows their story too. You should be attentive, antennas up, for what word they might need from God. And it might, I'm not talking about you walking up to saying, thus saith the Lord. <laughs> I'm not talking about you smacking him on the forehead at work. <laughs> That's not, it's not, we're not talking about that at all. We're talking about saying, you know, um, I, I was thinking about you the other day, and, um, and this is what came to me. And you begin to say something that they desperately need to hear. And, then the, and, and you do that enough, and they're going to be curious about how you do that. And you'll introduce them to Jesus. Say the right word at the right time. Proverbs 18, 21 says the tongue, the tongue has the power of life and death. Practice, here's what I think we all ought to do. Practice the 30-second rule. You know what the 30-second rule is? Within the first 30 seconds of meeting somebody, say something encouraging. Say something that will encourage people. On to, on to verse 23. This is how I want you to conduct yourselves in these matters. If you enter a, your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right then and only then come back and work things out with god number seven treat relationships like spiritual treasures treat relationships like spiritual treasures jesus is teaching here that making relationships right in other words relationships that are a little off making them right is so important that it supersedes our worship or our rituals it's more important 
than the bringing of a sacrifice to offer to God. God essentially says, I want your worship, your love for God, to be as good as your love for people. Right? It's only as good as your love for people is what he's saying. The way you love people has implications for how you love God. The way you love God has implications for how you love people, and they, they must be symbiotic. <laughs> Good word. They, they feed one another. That's what the great commandment's all about. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Matthew 6.20 says, But store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Whatever we treasure, that's where our heart goes. That's what this passage says. Whatever we treasure most, that's where our heart gravitates. Relationships. So what do you think about this? Relationships are the only thing you actually get to take to heaven. Do you see how important it is to be the kind of kingdom people that Jesus is describing? We can talk about all kinds of different um, relational uh, tools and resources. We could talk about that, and we will over the next few weeks. But if you don't get this point, if you don't get what Jesus is saying here, that you live according to a different set of ideas, kingdom principles, a Jesus way of relating to others, if you don't get that, it doesn't matter how much marriage counseling you get. Relationships are treasures. Don't, don't judge people harshly. Don't let anger and bitterness and irritation get the best of you. Forgive. Make things right. Go through the process. Open up your heart. Treasure relationships around you. They're so incredibly important. Finally, Jesus comes to this, and he kind of sums it up here, and this is pretty profound the way he sums it up. Verse 43, he says, you're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless, the good and bad, the nice and nasty. <laughs> Such a great line. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is this. Grow up. There it is. There it is. Write it down. Write it down. Grow up. Your kingdom subjects, that's who you are. Now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. What I'm saying to you is, even people you don't get along with are opportunities. Opportunities for God to do something really amazing in you. Number eight is love your enemies and grow. You and I are called to do something that other people are not called to do. Love our enemies. 
Galatians 5.22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Listen, here's, here's the cool thing about that. Van's going to come up now, and we're going we're gonna to take a moment here. But I want you to see this, because relationships are both the method. Everybody say method. Relationships are the method and measurement for maturity and growth. Like, this is God's design for you. Your relationships are the method by which you grow because you've got to get along with other people. And it's also the measurement. You cannot be mature unless you're willing to be in relationships with other people. It, it is relationships that measure. Because what? Look at, look at the passage. The fruit of the Spirit, the fruit in your life is what? Love, joy, peace, patience. Look at all these. You can't measure those unless you're in a relationship with somebody who's testing your patience. Do you realize this? Do you see it? There's no way to measure love unless you're in relationship with other people. Both your enemies and your friends. You and I are called to love, my friends. We're called to care for each other. This is the place you should practice most, right here. Look around at the people around you. Go ahead, look around. Yep, they're still awake. Look at them. Look at them. These are the people that you and I practice with so that we can love people who don't know Jesus at all. If you can't do it in here, you're going to have a hard time doing it out there. <laughs> because make no mistake, there ain't no perfect people in here. This is the Star Wars bar. <laughs> and I love it. It makes me very comfortable. Come on, let's pray. Close your eyes and just bow your heads. Father, we look to you. We've read your word. We've listened. We've allowed our minds to wrestle with ideas, thoughts. Father, we pray that everything we've shared today would have more impact than just thoughts, than just ideas. We pray, Holy Spirit, for you to work these ideas deep down on the inside of us. We come to you and we ask you to forgive us for mistreating people. Forgive us for isolating. Forgive us for, for just loving ourselves too much, so much that we become self-absorbed and self-centered. Forgive us for that. Forgive us for judging others too harshly, letting anger get the best of us. Forgive us, Lord. Wash it away, all the bitterness, even some of the woundedness in our own lives. Lord, would you, would you remove it? Would you help us? Would you go to work deep on the inside of us and help us to love others as you love us? Lord, we pray that you would send us out of this room 
heads held high because you're doing something in us that we cannot actually do for ourselves. That you're helping us heal from our brokenness. And that you're redirecting our lives to your kingdom way, the Jesus way, to love people, to be positive, to be the kind of person that will treat relationships like treasures, will never mistreat them, that we would help others succeed. Lord, don't just give us the desire, give us the ability to do that. Lord, help us to respond to negative people with courage, with confidence and conviction. Help us, Lord, to be the positive influence, to work on ourselves, to allow you to work in us and to to surrender our lives to you. Do something by your power that transforms us and changes us. We receive you. We receive what only you can do now. In Jesus' powerful name. Amen. 